millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. I'm dreaming of a UK Tech Weekly podcast, just like the ones I used to know, where the tech chats glisten and children listen to inform chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. (laughs) Hello, dear listener, and welcome to this freshly laid egg from the puckered hen's bottom that is the UK Tech Weekly podcast, the UK's most tax-efficient weekly tech podcast crammed aggressively through your letterbox like the begging letters from your family ever since you won the lottery. The UK Tech Weekly podcast is an infotainment cocktail mixed by the bar staff at PC Advisor, Tech World, Macworld UK, Computer World UK and Digital Arts. Every Friday we enrol at Audio University, drink heavily subsidised audio lager, pretend to be interested in audio political causes and fail all our audio exams in order to bring you no more than 40 minutes of informed chat on the hot tech topics of the past seven days. So, please welcome your chatters. Monster Mash, David Price, acting editor of Macworld UK. Hey, uh, that's me. Um, Wall Street Crash, <laughs> Ashley Olsop, engagement editor at PC Advisor and Macworld. Hello. And porn star Tash, Neil Bennett, editor of Digital Arts. Thank you. <laughs> this week we are talking, to continue the theme, Amazon's Dash, Apple's Cash, and pickup artists who treat women like trash. Please board the train now as it is ready to leave. Ashley Alsop, yes. why is Dash making a splash? And also, how do you pronounce Amazon? <laughs> oh, I pronounce it Amazon now, but I used to pronounce it Amazon. Why did um, you change? Because you made me. I, I didn't. That's not my fault. <laughs> but um, so Amazon, Amazon Dash, it has been around for quite a while, but in America, and it's now uh, been introduced in the UK. So this is, um, there's several elements to it, but the main one that you'll be seeing is the Amazon Dash buttons. So at the moment, at launch, there are almost 50 buttons. And they are basically, you put them around your house, the actual physical little buttons that you put around your house, they connect to the Amazon app. Um, and then when you think you've run out of something, for example, your toilet paper or cat food or whatever, you press the button and then within 24 hours, you will have a new delivery of that item. That sounds clever. Why has why it only just come to... Britain. I don't know why exactly. I guess they were testing it out in America to see how well it would do. And apparently there's like 
I can't remember how many exactly. It was something like two per minute um, orders wow. on Amazon in America, but I don't think that sounds like a lot. But that's from that's well, just from the dash button. Generally, yeah. Yeah, but so it's, um, so it's certainly some sort of success. You said you said cat food. What was the yeah, other one you said? Uh, toilet paper. There's also washing tablets. There's coffee. There's uh, makeup. What's, there's the, what's the weirdest? Condoms. Yeah, condoms. Um, what would you make of somebody who had like a dash button <laughs> on the side of their bed? Yeah, that's I mean, the... <laughs> a Durex dash button. Yeah. So after be... the act has taken place, then you reach up casually <laughs> and press the button. Ready for next yeah. time. Well, yeah. what, so in my house, I'm, I'm getting away from the condoms now. That's not a continuation. <laughs> uh, in my house, we have a piece of paper on the fridge. Uh, and if we run out of something, then we just write yeah. it down there. Then, I can't quite see. What's the advantage over that? of this? System? I don't really know. It's just supposed to be easy, isn't it? But I think it's a very strange idea. I kind of, yeah. at first I kind of thought I quite liked the idea. But then I realised, can you imagine having 50 buttons around your house? Surely nobody's going to get no, more but than one or I two. Guess, I guess just one or two. But it just, see, it just seems like a really strange thing. And also, of course, it means that you have to buy from Amazon. You have to buy those products from Amazon, whereas yeah. you would usually go to the shops, like supermarket or a convenience store around the corner or something like that. So, And yet with those <laughs> things, you go around the corner, you get it straight away. Exactly. With this, you, I mean, you're still presumably going to have to wait. Yeah, what, well, if you're on Prime, or... you have to wait a day. It'll be next day delivery. If you don't use Prime, you wait as long as sort of normal delivery times for Amazon, yeah. so a few days. But it's not that convenient. No. <laughs> it's just another example of kind of the infantilisation of the, the, this kind of technology breeds it's kind of like oh i can't be bothered to remember to write it down on my fridge all i'm gonna do is just go and slap a button to tell me oh i need some more cat food before my poor cat starves to death (laughs) well yeah i saw this described as yet another tech invention that does what your mum used to do yeah um i I think the tech industry would like us all to have the mental age of six-year-olds before long (laughs) just be looked after and we not don't have to do laundry there's that um it's called laundry io oh yeah does your washing for you yeah delivery bringing you uh you know, takeaways every so night. Don't have yeah. to organise anything anymore. No, we don't have to get up. It's you know, <laughs> that's what we need is some sort of service that brings things from the you know from your front door yeah. to your chair That'll where you sit robot. like those people in uh, you know um, Wally, never moving yeah. out of your chair yeah. in some fat blubbery heat. Actually, I watched that movie and I thought it was quite positive. I thought that'd be a nice world to live in. No. Um, how much does the <laughs> button cost? So it costs four ninety nine, but then when you actually place your first order, you get the four ninety nine back basically. Well you, you it just takes it off the order, so your order will probably be free, the first one, or it'll be reduced by four ninety nine. So it's essentially okay, free. So it's pretty much a free thing. Yeah. A deposit <clears throat> yeah, sure exactly. It's like a deposit, yeah. And the um, actual and the items you buy yeah. it's just the same as ordering normally so there's, is there like a, a fixed price that they guarantee no there's not a fixed price it will just be whatever price it is on amazon at the time so you don't necessarily know you can cancel the order once you press the button um it will give you a notification so it's not like the button can be pressed accidentally it will tell you that the order's there and it will tell so you, you how then, much it was okay. going to be and that's do you then have thing. to confirm it though so you get a notification you don't have to confirm it but you can cancel it okay so you've got like a cool off period yeah basically yeah um but i don't it, mm. it's just it's a strange idea and we'll see how well it takes off but i can't imagine i imagine it would be more popular in america for some reason i feel like we were i don't know maybe older people i don't know who would like it but in eternally lazy yeah <laughs> but people like if you were in a household where there's multiple people 
surely you wouldn't know if the other person had already pressed it and order it. Order I don't think this it. is suitable for flat share. No, it would it would or be even tricky. Anywhere with children. Yeah. I don't know how that fits in. Well, right? there's weird ones as well, like Play-Doh and um, Nerf, which I just think surely you can just wait until the next time you Nerf. go shopping. Yeah, like the like gun the, the bullets things. that come yeah, out. Yeah, the, the little gun. rubber. Or the gun itself. The Is bullets, what? I think. So what, you just lost one over the fence? Yeah, then, so you just uh, press the button to get another one and your Play-Doh's dried out, so you press the button. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's very The whole thing is is quite strange, but who knows? It could be really popular and it could... But the, I think the more exciting thing is actually um, there's, called, there's a thing called the Amazon Dash Replenishment Service, which is completely new like it hasn't actually come out yet but it's amazon working with companies um for example samsung and whirlpool to um build it into their technology into their products so that it will automatically know when something's going to run out and order it for you it's not a button it's just built into the product so for example a printer could know when it's about to run out of ink and then it automatically order that stuff from amazon but printers are really uh what's the word pessimistic aren't they about their own (laughs) yeah exactly it's probably come yeah, and there's also things like washing machines. If they they might have like a you put all of the detergent in there, and then when it's starting to run out, then it orders it automatically. So that potentially is more interesting, I think. But the buttons mm-hmm. themselves, I I don't know whether they will be popular, but we we will find out. I'm sure. Presumably, people will get drunk and <laughs> order. 10. Yeah, but you can do that. You could do that anyway. No, there's no boost button though. That's yeah. that's the trick they're missing out on. There's no way to go. All right, I've run out of uh, of wine. Bring this me more true. wine, please. More wine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, it seems to it seems to me like it's a bit of a shame that the great advantage uh, advances in technology at the moment just seem to be about capitalism. And yeah, yeah, as you said, making life uh, lazier. And I guess the way I look at this is that it's removing the friction between um, uh, wanting a thing. And having a thing. And, we, and I think there's something unhealthy about that, about yeah. a society where everything you want is immediately catered for and you don't have to go through a process of, I need to save up for this or yeah. I need to go to the shops for this or I need to put the work in. But that's in this, that's a capitalist society that we, you know, we focus on these kind of things. There are going to be good uses for it. There is going to be a thing that, you know, if somebody is on a drug regimen because of a condition they've got, then, you know, as they start to, you know, run out of particular pills, then, it, you know, it will yeah. order them a, you know, a repeat prescription. Of, repeat prescription is a brilliant use. You know, yeah. thing, things like this. Um, but they won't be as, you know, as, as widespread as, mm. uh, you know, asking for, you know, new, new set of coffee, uh, every time the jar runs out or, you know, please restock my fridge. You know, you know <laughs> it's just not as, uh. Yeah. Well, there's no commercial imperative. That's the problem is that things that are actually beneficial to society, nobody actually is going to make any money out of it. So <laughs> well, I, over here. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. well, it's questionable whether healthcare in America is actually good for society or not. Um, but that's getting political. Um, what what other products do you think that they should add to the dash buttons in the future? Mm, well, they've already got they've got quite a big range. I'm not really sure what else can you run out of. They've got like tissues and um, what else have they got? They've got absolutely loads, all sorts of pet and child things, nappies. Um, I don't know. They've covered quite yeah. a lot. I can't think of anything. So they've mostly gone for consumables. Yeah. Um, except for the Nerf thing. That's, That's just weird. Yeah. 
Well, that's just a promo thing for, yeah. for, for you know to excite nerds to uh, to, <laughs> to try out uh, this service. Yeah. It's like okay, we'll just give out a whole bunch of these buttons because <laughs> a lot of them are you know they're, they're they're promotional items to get you to keep buying the same big brands. Yeah. You know, if you buy Kleenex, you buy Whiskers. You know, you're not gonna. You know, I mean, in the future, you may you know find you know Tesco's own brand versions of these, but uh, at the moment, it's just uh, you know a reason to keep you buying. Uh, the expensive yeah, brand product. Yeah, it discourages shopping around, yeah. which is really bad for consumers. Then it, it, it probably means that they can, if it is successful, they can put their prices up and you wouldn't even notice necessarily. That would really worry yeah. me. I don't think I could trust a button that, no. that is going to charge me money and I don't <laughs> know how much. That just seems crazy. Um, well, should we go around the room? Um, let's bash dash. It's rash. <laughs> the bad one obviously or dash's flash here's my cash neil bennett uh the first one whatever the hell that you was. have to no, we have rules in this podcast neil you have to actually say it what was it again let's bash dash it's rash okay let's just yeah let's, let's not bash dash because if oh. you bash dash it just sends you a load of crap you don't want so no 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 bashing of dash please. neil checked in advance by the way listener uh, which swear words he's allowed to say so we are allowing crap so well done, neil. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse ashley um um, I've got it already. Bash the bash dash one. I don't like dash. I don't think. Let's bash dash. It's rash. That one. Uh, I'm tempted to say the other one, but no, I won't. Let's bash dash. It's rash. It seems like it just it's like could... a publicity stunt, isn't it? Yeah. Is anybody actually? We could well that? change our minds in the future, but right now it's it's. I'm sure we will. We always do about <laughs> things like this. Uh, good. Now for a quick break, and after that we will talk about tax. And, by the way, Ashley will be the presenter for this next segment. Welcome back. So now we are going to talk about tax. So, Hooray. David Price, why is Apple in the news this week? Oh, that was a spoiler. Uh, uh, was it a spoiler? For a little bit. So why is Apple in the news this week? Well, oh. for bad things. Oh. It's funny, because at this time of year, Apple would like to be in the news for uh, the imminent iPhone launch, uh, which is yes. immensely, hugely hyped. And we were sort of maybe going to talk about it this week. But uh, Apple stopped us from doing that by getting hit by a huge tax bill for uh, 13 billion euros, which it's been told to pay to the Irish government. I don't know if you actually pay the government or just Ireland. Leave the money hanging around. <laughs> In pubs in Ireland. Um, the European Commission has been doing a multi-year, uh, very, very deep investigation of Apple's uh, tax affairs in Europe. And it has concluded that, um, that Apple made a sort of sweetheart deal with uh, the Irish authorities. And as a result, has been paying negligible tax uh, in Ireland specifically, um, well under 1% tax rate on the on the profits that it's sort of estimated to have made in Ireland, although profits are very movable. Uh, and so, they, yeah, they've said um, pay 13 billion euros to, to Ireland. And Ireland, hilariously, have uh, appealed against the decision and said they don't want the money. Um, oh, what? Yeah. That so, seems um, very odd. Well, you know, you know what the Irish are like. They're just uh, a bit silly. Right. No, uh, that's not, not it at all. Uh, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, they basically, the way I see it is that Ireland wants people to invest in their country okay. and yeah. part of the appeal of that uh, of ireland as a investment place is that the tax uh conditions are quite nice and uh and they're hoping that 
they don't scare everybody off. Yeah, because it could put other companies off. But do we know whether... So did Apple actually break any rules here or do we actually know whether Apple was in the wrong or not? Well... Well, there's two sides of it. So there's there's the um, the sort of legal side of it. it legally, it followed the rules. That's right. been its main defence. It right. said we we paid every cent we owed, yeah. every euro cent we owed. Um, but the thing is that the rules were set by the Irish government. Right. And so the commission is saying it's not right that you set different rules for Apple to the ones you set yeah. for other companies. You know, they, and they've they've classified this as um, state aid. Right. And they said that it's illegal. Um, but I think I think the the essence of it is that. Ireland has broken the rules, not right. um, Apple, but they want uh, they want to sort of retrospectively, is that the right word? Retroactively change the rules. Which, which again, that's this is the aspect of it that I feel uncomfortable about is uh, is that they're having to pay back taxes uh, when the rules were the rules were the rules at the time. Ireland said to them, yeah. "We only want zero point zero zero five percent tax from you, whatever." Right, uh, and they were like, "Fine," uh, and now they have to go back and pay the other stuff uh, that that bit doesn't seem uh, fair to me but that's the, that's the legal side of it ethically i mean i don't know about you guys but it just seems yeah. straight up you know bad news from me you know i think but i think it's when you're a business you know if so if some if a country says to you you only need to pay this much what like what would be why would you argue that well, you, you know you, yeah. it's it's a tricky one because it's kind of you know if if apple was told that they wouldn't yeah. say, oh, no, we want to pay you more, surely. I mean, it's impossible to know what happens behind closed doors. But presumably they, I want to be careful what I say, but presumably they applied some degree of pressure. Yeah, okay. And sort of said, right. this is what we would like yeah. to be the or case. Or it was offered to them because uh, it would you know, encourage them to, to invest in Ireland rather than yeah. other European right, okay. countries. But you know, to, to the, the level of complexity to the tax structures and overseas uh, you know, kind of funds that they, that they set up, yeah. Um, would it's the kind of thing you would only do if you were trying to avoid tax. You wouldn't necessarily yeah. set up funds in these kind of in, you know in, in in offshore accounts in certain territories unless you were doing it yeah. uh, primarily to to avoid tax. Certainly from yeah. the the stuff that I've been reading today, and um, yeah, it seems to be you know precisely designed uh, to you know to to uh, to you know avoid paying the kind of tax that if you put all your profits you know within one country. Yeah. And it's something where, you know, although Apple has said that it's, you know, it, it wants, you know, tax systems to be, you know, open and easy and clear. Uh, certainly when this came up in Congress, I think it was a couple of months ago, um, that, you know, it was necessary to use flowcharts and big diagrams <laughs> to explain just exactly what was going on with the tax. Yeah. Uh, so it certainly isn't a clear and open system as yeah. uh, that, uh, that Tim Cook talked about. One of the things it did was um, it bought, you know, the iPhones are made in China. So it bought uh, the iPhones from its distributors in China through uh, an Irish subsidiary. And then the Irish subsidiary sold the iPhones on to the US subsidiary or the US headquarters at a markup. And so the Irish subsidiary thereby made a profit in the process. And that was just like, clearly, they haven't created any value in Ireland by doing that. They've just chosen to make profits by paying one arm of the company to another. And, and Neil's right. It's it's all it's all stuff like that. It's all these little loops. The yeah. double Irish, where they move the profits from one company in Ireland to a different company in Ireland, which is owned through uh, a Caribbean island holding. And it's you know it's it's ridiculous. But I would say everybody does it, uh, which is not an excuse. Which is not an excuse. So at the moment, Apple is in the spotlight. But are there? Yeah. You're saying other companies probably do the same thing, or 
I think I think everybody does pretty much um, that is of that size. Yeah. Um, I was I was looking it up and, and Google um, and this is this is a few years back, but between two thousand and seven and twenty ten, Google paid. <laughs> I'll just ch- check my uh, notes. Uh, an overseas tax rate of two point four percent, which is, I mean, obviously higher than one percent, but. Um, a fair tax rate for a corporation is somewhere between twenty percent and forty percent. Uh, so it, it's just you know this this is standard behaviour. Apple does pay more tax in the US. I feel like we should state um, it's uh, paid. I think twenty five percent corporation tax rate on its US um, uh, on its on its over overall uh, profits in the most recent quarter. Is that um, Apple, though? Or is that the fact that the IRS is famously <laughs> very strong? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync... Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Strict on, uh, yeah. on profits, uh, you yeah. know, on, its, on its taxation system. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure that that wouldn't be Apple desperately jumping up and down saying, please tax me. But, um, uh, but that, that number is, um, is lower than it theoretically should be anyway. Because uh, because of the outsourcing and the overseas holdings that Apple has, and it's sort of generally, as you said, extraordinarily complex uh, tax setup, which nobody can understand unless they're a, a lawyer or an accountant. And so, for people like us that see this, it's sort of it's hard to understand. It's hard to really get why they're allowed to get away with it. But, um, but that's the thing is they're allowed, you know, you know, Apple as a company has a responsibility to its shareholders to maximize its yeah, profits. Absolutely. And part of that is paying less tax. The issue is not necessarily with, with Apple. It's with the fact that we have got these massively complex international tax systems, which it's up to, organize, you know, kind of groups of companies, the EU, um, you know, kind of, you know, um, maybe WTO and people like that to actually come together and, and stamp this kind of behavior out. But the tax havens don't want to stamp it out because they're making lots of profits from, uh, you know, of themselves. They've built economies on, 
you know, yeah. creating tax havens for, for companies. Um, yeah. And it's kind of behavior like this from the EU, which I think is actually what's going to happen to, you know, help change this kind of behavior. Mm. Uh, whether that's going to continue, uh, you, know, po- you know, to affect st- us in the UK post-Brexit, we don't know. But uh, it's, yeah, it's not some... interesting aspect of it, actually. So we could become... If everyone in, if everyone in the EU is obliged to have a standardized tax system uh, and we're not in the EU, we could become a tax haven ourselves. Mm. I'd we like could, to. but unfortunately, then anything to do with moving goods and services in and out of other EU countries may be subject to tariffs. Uh, there goes that plan, <laughs> that master plan. So what's going to happen now? Um, you know, what's the next step in this case with Apple? Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I said Ireland is appealing. Yeah. The, um, uh, the ruling, the... Um, I think that's the correct term. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it may it may be reversed. Right. Um, Apple has said that it's confident that it will be reversed. Right. Um, but at the moment, it's it's in the hole for thirteen billion euros. Yeah, it's not um, a small figure, is it? Well, although I mean, the commission has said that it's up to up to Ireland to collect the money. Right. So when you have got this odd situation where yeah. they don't want to collect it, yeah. Um, why would they? Um, maybe they could just say, oh well, that we're happy with. What's happened? But if they don't want to scare other companies off, surely thirteen billion—you can't say no to thirteen billion. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of hospitals, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, Ireland's really... economy—sorry, Ireland's economy—is not exactly in the the best of states no. at the moment. They could they could desperately do with yeah. They could desperately do with thirteen billion euros, but they could also desperately do with not losing six thousand jobs, uh, which is what Ireland, which is what Apple employs in Ireland, right. and. That's right. discounting all the jobs of all the other tech companies yeah. that would also potentially flee. So it, I mean, it could be ruined us. Um, but would it? Because if the EU's plan is to make, um, you know, kind of paying your tax uh, across its, you know, across all the you know, all the countries within the EU, um, you know, kind of equal, then moving the to another EU state is not necessarily. Yes, you'll yeah. have cheaper wages uh, if you move to to Eastern Europe. Mm. Um, but will that actually fundamentally, you know, it's, it's if the the skills base is there, if the infrastructure's there, you know, it's not just about oh, which you know, which com- which country can pay the least, I mean, you know, will charge you the least amount of tax. Mm. Um, so yeah, it may be, you know, it may not be beneficial to to Ireland, um, but it may not be as bad as everyone says. It could be good for the rest of Europe, but probably not going to be great for Ireland because they sort of they, they rely on this now at the moment. It's the tax. Uh, I don't want to say tax haven because I feel like that's uh, unfair, but um, it kind of is, isn't it? Basically, no. Every country has their own one. We we do with the you know visual effects industry and the film industry. We have massive tax breaks here, which means that Hollywood, you know, films a lot of stuff over here at Pinewood. It's uh, you know a lot of the kind of you know big special effects that you see on your know, big Hollywood movies of uh, you know Marvel and DC and stuff like that. It's all created between here and Canada because we have particularly attractive tax regimes. So uh, could the could the European Commission crack down on that then? What's the difference? Um, stop them saying. I mean, except that we're leaving the. It's a, it's a different form of it's it's tax relief rather than. Uh, uh, it's things you can claim back against tax rather than paying less tax for on profits. I see. Okay, so <laughs> we need to go around the room to see what our verdict is on this. This is your first ever around the room, actually. Excited. Yeah, no, not really. Um, but it's it's pretty complicated, so it's a tricky one, this. But what do you think, David, then? Back off Brussels or tax them to the max? Um, I think tax them to the max. 
Probably yeah. Not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Neil. Yeah, tax them to the max, and ta- tax everyone to the max. Make it fair. Oh, and yeah. Not me. Oh. <laughs> okay, ta- tax companies. everybody except David Good. To, to the max. Tax everybody except David and Ashley to the max, <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't include yourself. And Neil, of course. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and Neil, if you want. Okay, so we'll be back after a short break, and we'll be talking about sexism. Neil Bennett, I understand you've been closely following a tweet storm concerning sexist behaviour. But tell me, what's wrong with being sexy? (laughs) To be serious, it it might seem odd that one of the men on here is the one talking about online sexism. But men should be talking about the subject as much as women. Calling out those behaving badly and reminding everyone that this is an issue for everybody is not it's not just 50 percent of the population. Plus, as somebody who's, uh, you know, has a daughter and a stepdaughter, it's basically if you're being a dick to women, you're being a dick to them. And that's not acceptable. So, uh, yeah, so moving on. Um, so anyway, so a, a douchebag called Dan Bacon wrote an article called How to Talk to Women Who Are Wearing Headphones. Is his name really Dan Bacon? Yeah, I'm afraid it is. <laughs> Uh, we're just going to call him Dan Douchebag from, from now on anyway. Uh, anyway, it should have been called How to Bother, Annoy and Intimidate a Woman Who's Wearing Headphones. It starts, and I'm just reading it from here, um, These days, many women walk around playing with a smartphone or tablet device and are often wearing headphones and listening to music at the same How time. How dare they? Yet, that doesn't mean you can't talk to them. And he continues with lines including, you know, trying to how to get their attention, saying, say, take off your headphones for a minute. Pretend to be taking headphones off your head so she fully understands. Some girls are shy and will be hesitant to take off her headphones because they are feeling a lot of excitement about what is happening. You can imagine what the reaction on Twitter was. Uh, you know, there was, was the, it very the, the, positive? Um, they loved it. Yeah, they thought it was amazing. No, of course not. There was, of course, the, the first line of, uh, of uh, reaction, which was just anger at the sheer level of douchebaggery involved. Uh, next coming you know, was uh, uncomfortable discoveries about the author, where he seemed to have, uh, let's say, some anger issues to do with an ex-girlfriend. Uh, and then that moved on to the kind of the, the mocking jokes of uh, of just, you know, taking the proverbial uh, out of him. And then as usual, the thing is kind of nothing. I mean, it's, you know, sadly we seem reinforced, you know, sorry, we seem resigned to the idea that some men will have a sense of entitlement or feel that they should have a sense of entitlement. And then people will write stuff for them and play on their fears and reinforce what they believe. And this obviously then just adds to their sense of entitlement. And it's, we just assume this is going to be part of the internet now. And yes, we will mock them and we will get angry at them, but it doesn't really seem to change very much. I, I feel like I want to bring in Ashley at this point as an actual real life woman. Um, have you, Ashley, ever had somebody tell you to take your headphones off or otherwise annoy no. you on no. a public situation? No, I haven't. I don't really think. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's an actual real thing that happens, is it? I don't know. But is it, um, just is it just bad advice then? Is this somebody? I don't understand why. Where did this? Why did he write this article? That's I- what I want to know. I think he wrote the article because he, there is an audience for sites like The Modern Man and nothing, the other kind of like pickup artist and sites of, that... yeah, pathetic little men who, do, who can't talk to women <laughs> and, and decide that this that, is what or, and, they yeah. need to read. It's just, I don't, I don't fully understand the article where well, it so came imagine, from. Put yourself in the position. Maybe I can understand this a bit better. Uh, imagine being a, a very oh, simplistic, um, shy, <laughs> man who uh doesn't really know how to talk to women um i'm really sort of uh, uh very difficult for me to imagine this but um <laughs> you've never had a girlfriend and you don't know how to talk to women and then you go oh I look on the internet and ask how to do it 
uh, and then these men say so they have it, the answers. So it's actually a serious article. It's a serious article. I think it's a serious audience. Whether the person who wrote it actually believes right. what they're writing to be true or not. I think it is, because he's written loads of other articles about that. Um, it's very strange. And to be, I've yeah. not come across it in real life, but... Um, you know, obviously, if if the if the, if he thinks that there is a need for it, then people must have, um, but not me personally. I I, I feel like um, well, clearly we're both agreed or all agreed uh, that it's wrong to approach somebody if they're using headphones. Is that fair? You both. Well, I'm saying I've I've actually created a flowchart of uh, oh. an an accurate guide of how to talk to a woman who's wearing <laughs> headphones, just to kind of set a level, you know, kind of like as a reaction to this, and you know, kind of starting off with like the, the first step being, you know, is this is ask yourself, is this somebody you know? If it's if it is, then obviously saying you know saying hi, waving is fine, but be prepared for the fact that she may be busy, she may be off doing something, she may be listening to this podcast, at which point unlikely, uh, you know, <laughs> you never know. But if if no. You know, obviously, you know, there's another question to ask yourself. It's kind of like, has she dropped something? Uh, if yes, you know, pick it up, wave, hand it to her and say, I think you've dropped something. And, uh, you know, she will likely remove her headphones. But I think, and this is important, it's not an excuse to hit on her. <laughs> Just go about your day knowing that you've done something a little bit nice for somebody. Uh, and then if, if the answer to that is no, there's still another question to ask yourself is, you know, is this woman, you know, likely about to be hit by a bus or fall down a hole? <laughs> you know, so if yes, then it's got more energetic attempts to get her attention are acceptable, you know, shouting and if necessary, kind of, you know, physical contact. Can you um, then uh, start hitting on her? Well, I was going to say afterwards, she will certainly remove her headphones. And uh, but this is, yes, yeah, so this is not an excuse to hit on her. It's not. Do you get hit flipping Dawson's often? Creek or something? <laughs> Uh, when when can you hit on a woman? Yeah. Uh, I was going to say. Well, um, I think the you know just to just to finish this off, I, I would say that uh, you know um, if the answer is no, then basically just leave her alone. I mean, she's probably wearing headphones to avoid douchebags like you talking to her. Uh, and if you just want to meet women, just join Tinder. <laughs> yeah, but what about if you? Uh, no, I've got no reason. Well, just, yeah, Neil's right. Join Tinder. Um, is this any different? Uh, and I'm thinking of Ashley again here. Uh, is this any different from reading a book? If you're reading a book on a train, and a man said, "Oh, that looks like a good book. What's the book? Why are you reading the book, um, reader?" <laughs> I mean, the thing about this is, as well, is that it can go the other way. Of course. Like, there could be a man reading a book or a man with his headphones on. And, yeah. you know, it goes both ways, I think. And I also think if someone's reading a book or got the headphones on, it probably means they don't, they're not open to conversation. But if they start looking at you, making eye contact and smiling, then maybe. But then maybe <laughs> you were reading a book when they made the eye contact with you. So Yeah, but I mean, if they're literally doing nothing... <laughs> They're just sitting there. And I don't know. There's no situation. I can't think of one. There is a wider question here about um, about tech etiquette. And I'm moving away from books again now. I'm yeah. going back to the headphones. Um, <laughs> that we, because they're quite, I mean, they're comparatively new compared to, compared to social conventions more generally. Um, we don't necessarily all have shared uh, understanding of what is okay, how to use them. Like there's this bigger thing of, you know, smartphones. Do we... Look at smartphones when we're in a conversation with somebody. Do we um, disturb somebody who has a smartphone? Is a smartphone something that is a signal, please don't talk to me, or is it just part of life now? Um, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at you both. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where, like, for example, in a shop, if someone is at the checkout and they're on their phone, you know, they shouldn't be. If the person buying them. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah and it's wrong. basically, the, it's just, the smartphone thing is often, I think it's just rude. If you're in a conversation with someone, you shouldn't be looking at your phone. If you're, you know, and that's that. But if somebody so, has a smartphone, could you then start a conversation with them? Or is, is it, are you then rude? Well, it depends what they're using the smartphone for, I suppose. But yeah, <laughs> I think the smartphone now. one is like is trickier than the headphones one because if, yeah. for example, at work someone's got their headphones on, it probably means that they want to concentrate and they don't want to talk. And the same goes for on the train or whatever. Sometimes people have their headphones on, they're not even listening to anything. <laughs> they literally just put them on because they want yeah. to not talk to people. I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have a thing about London um, – about not wanting to give my attention to people. And I, and I, I really annoys me um, that people feel like they have a right to other people's attention. You, you know, you often hear um, like country folk saying that they don't like coming to London because nobody talks to each other. And I'm like, well, I know what you mean. But if you're in London for more than a year, then you've given your attention to so many annoying people <laughs> that after a while you want to be like, well, no, I don't want to talk to anybody. You know, like um, charity muggers that stand in the middle of the road and, and they go, oh hey, you having a good day? Um, and you sort of, early on, then you're like, well, you have to answer, don't you? You have to be polite. Um, and then after a while, you just think, well, no. I, I always chat with attention. them. I still chat with them. Because they're so nice. They're, I don't... Not, they're not actually nice. Oh. They're being nice to get your money. <laughs> but for good things, to be fair. But it's, it's again, it's, it's that sense of entitlement that it, somehow if I, you know, speak to you and, you know, completely unannounced, um, it's it's rude if you don't respond, or it's rude if you you know yeah. do not engage me in the at the level at which I want to be engaged. Yeah. It's the same for people talking to a screen or people on Twitter, you know, firing messages at mm. celebrities or whatever, and then having a rant because they didn't reply exactly. or something. It's or like, spam yeah. email when they go, well, I, I assume you didn't get my email because mm. you didn't reply, but well, no, I didn't. No, I did, I did and I didn't care. Yeah, exactly. And it was one of two hundred emails I got today, so uh, you know, deal with yeah. it. I was wondering, Neil, if you could demonstrate for our listeners how not to approach somebody. Uh, let's say that Ashley <laughs> is wearing headphones. <laughs> what would be the wrong way to do this? Uh, no, no, because that's the thing. I'm... You're, you're so uh, uh, anti-sexist that you couldn't even pretend. That's good. Well, I think actually, you know, kind of coming up to somebody and just sort of, you know, interrupting what they're doing is itself going to annoy them anyway. Yeah. It's yeah, you know, you know, I mean, you know, I was kind of you know making a joke with the with the, the flowchart idea, but there has got to be a reason why you would start a conversation with somebody who's clearly doing something else, yeah. you know, and it has to be like immediate danger or you know, or you know, they've dropped something or something along those kind of lines. Otherwise, you know, yeah. just you know, back off. And there, I mean, there are so many ways. If if you're you know, if you're single and you want to meet somebody. There are so many ways in the modern world that that can happen, whether it's through dating apps, whether it's through, um, you know, services that bring together people who've got particular hobbies. You know, they, they, it's not exactly, mm. it, you know, impossible to meet somebody of your preferred gender uh, out in the world. Or just, you know, yeah. start up smoking and hang around outside clubs. Don't do that. Don't do that, listeners. It's bad for you. Work for me. Uh, culturally, <laughs> culturally, there's like a still, this myth, that you meet people in interesting ways um, in public. Uh, you, you know, you watch a rom-com or whatever. They they don't, I suppose these days, sometimes they do, but they don't generally just go on a dating website. They would meet somebody in the street. They would have some interesting story to tell. Um, and I think 
some of us, and particularly the maybe more sheltered members of society, like the people that read The Modern Man, um, still subscribe to that and think that uh, that's that's how you do it. That's You just go up to somebody and be brash and confident and annoying and somehow it will work. Yeah, but you also don't solve the world's problems by you know driving a speeding truck you know, yeah, exactly. with a bomb on the back <laughs> yeah. down the streets. I think if you take Hollywood movies as a guide yeah. to any form of life, um, <laughs> you know, you're probably going to end up in a in a horrible mess in the corner with a yeah. motorbike wrapped around you. Or if something. there's a bomb on the bus and it's going to go off if you go below 50 miles an hour, then you could do worse than following Keanu Reeves' actions. I think at that point, probably speed. phoning the bomb squad would be a. Yeah, I think there was something like Dennis Hopper was listening to the phone or something, so he couldn't. There was some clever. <laughs> anyway, um, we should go around the room. We're running out of time. Um, uh, should we say, calm down, dear? Or, I, I don't know if we'll get away with that one. Calm down, dear, or get lost. Can I use your word? Get lost, you douchebag. <laughs> Definitely get lost, you douchebag. Get lost, you douchebag. Ashley? Yeah, get lost, you douchebag. Get lost, you douchebag. I'm going to say get lost, you douchebag, just because I don't get to say that word very often. Uh, and with that, I think it's time to wrap things up. So thank you to Ashley and Neil for your thoughts. Particular thanks to Ashley for uh, hosting the second segment. <laughs> short notice, well done. Thank you at home for listening to us. And if there's anything you'd like to say to us, feel free to get in touch. You can tweet us using the handle at UK Tech Podcast. Or you can email us using the address editor at idg.co.uk. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all the other places from which you source podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, like, favourite, and all the rest of those type of shenanigans. We'll be back next week with more informed opinion on the hottest topics in tech. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Bye. Bye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. 